Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to week eight of the Globro Saints Show. I apologize, we had to take a week off last week visiting the Windy City, gave it everything we had, and in doing so, took ourselves out of the equation for about a week. Ain't that right, James? Yes, my voice was wrecked, uh, screaming like a fifth grader. Uh, tons of fun, uh, made the Bears fans put their tails between their legs and walk out early in the fourth quarter, if not late in the third. Um, was a hell of a time. We brought home the W, and that's all that mattered. Sorry, we did have to uh, to not deliver as, as normal, but we're going to make tonight uh, twice as good to make up for it. And not only did we bring home the W, but James, you took home uh, a little extra, a little extra clothing on the way back, did you not? Yeah, so uh, we had a plan to go down as close to the field as possible after the game and uh, really trying to position ourselves away from the tunnel because that already had about 12 deep. Um, we got right on the railing and was trying to entice some players to come over. And lo and behold, the only one we got to come our way was Austin Carr. But, hey, he was a hell of a, a fan. Uh, was willing to, to throw his towel to us. Troy and I made the simultaneous catch. And after some rippage of the towel, um, I think he conceded, and uh, we took home the hardware. Rippage is such a nice word there. No, but look, it was it was a blast out there. Uh, we had a couple other buddies join us. Uh, Jimmy's brother-in-law, Jordan, my buddy Dave, and my buddy Dave's buddy Mark. I uh, had a great time out in Chicago. Lots of buddies. Lots of buddies. Lots of buddies. Ate at Ditka's Steakhouse. Uh, Dust Saints. I had a great time, and like Jimmy said, we brought home the W to go to six and one at that point. Just a few quick points there. Look, it's been a week, uh, you know, a week since it's happened, so uh, this is gonna be nothing new there. But I did find it very interesting, Jimmy. When we were there, we, we knew that the Bears abandoned the run game very early, but uh, a little surprised to just see how monumental uh, of a game that was in terms of their rush yardage. You think about the Bears. And you've got Gail Sayers, you've got Walter Payton. I mean, you just have a history, a deep history of prominent runners in that organization. And that game was the fewest carries in a game that the Chicago Bears have had in the Super Bowl era with seven carries. That just shows you uh, how stout our defense was and how quickly we took the run game out of the equation. Uh, the defense, you know, the first couple of weeks they played well. I was very skeptical. I thought – you know, maybe we just got a little lucky or maybe it was the offense, you know, having a, 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 a bad day at the office, so to speak. But after the fifth straight today and the Bears being the fourth straight, holding an opponent to under 260 net yards, um, they're, they're the real deal. And, and when it comes to the Bears game, it really we should have held them to about 150 yards before those two garbage time touchdowns near the end of the game. I mean, we really dominated that game and really move the ball at will against a very difficult defense. No doubt, no doubt. I know you just mentioned uh, 260 yards. Uh, one stat that I looked at, including today's game, they've allowed less than 300 total yards, uh, as you mentioned, for five straight games, and that's the longest streak since weeks four through nine in the 2010 season, one year after uh, Super Bowl season and Super Bowl 44. Uh, but getting back to that Bears game, Cam Jordan surpassed Pat Swilling, uh, at 76 and a half sacks for the third most in Saints history. And the other streak that was snapped was that we scored an offensive touchdown in the first quarter for the first time last week in Chicago since week 16, 2018. 
which was the longest active streak in the NFC. So while one streak is snapped, another continues. Last week, 33 straight games, including the playoffs, of limiting the opponent's rusher to under 100 yards. Uh, which, again, you know, a great feat there. Uh, I was a little more concerned with Tariq Cohen than it actually played out to be. You know, those the smaller kind of dual-purpose running backs I thought was going to give us a little bit of trouble or potentially give us a little bit of trouble uh, with Allen Robinson possibly going deep, stretching the field vertical, and having Tariq come out of the back and possibly having one of our linebackers on him, which I think would be a mismatch in their favor. Uh, but uh, whether it was the pressure up front or just the overall game plan, once it started to get a little out of hand, uh, that didn't come to fruition as I thought it might. Yeah, I thought, I thought Peyton did an excellent job preparing for that game. He knew he didn't have Breeze nor Kamara. Um, we, I think Zach, Zach Streif, uh, Will Clapp, yeah, him, you know, played on the uh, the offensive line over at the uh, extra tackle eligible type deal. Um, and he had a season high. I think he had 17 snaps, I read somewhere. But they totally neutralized Khalil Mack. I was really concerned about some – uh, strip sacks and that kind of thing, and he didn't come close. I don't even know if he was mentioned during the game. I mean, we totally neutralized that defense, uh, and the score really should have been a lot worse than what it turned out to be. Like I said, not only the garbage time touchdowns, but on our side on offense, we missed some field goals. We didn't punch it in when we could have. We could have fell on the blocked punt. We had a punt return for a touchdown call back on a very iffy holding call. Um, so really just played a very much 60-minute whistle-to-whistle game. And uh, what else can you say about that Chicago game? I mean, that was fabulous. And two particular plays that stood out in my mind as I, as I kind of recollect from that last week. Uh, arguably, especially this year, probably Peyton's most exciting play call on a very short third-and-one type situation Give, Bridgewater turns around, gives it to Zach Line, running parallel to the line of scrimmage. And so at first, I mean, look, you got your fullback going sideways. What is the deal? And then you see Taysom Hill kind of swing out in that five-yard pitch relationship, almost that one by five. And then he pitches it to Taysom. Taysom ends up getting 23 yards on the play, just reinvigorating the offense again. Thought that was a tremendous play call at, at that opportunity, uh, and particularly with that personnel on the field. And then the second, you know, this isn't going to show up any particular way on a, on a box score or anything like that, but I thought Teddy Bridgewater's best throw uh, as a Saint was deep in that game, probably end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, if I'm trying to kind of pinpoint it. But he's rolling to his left. Thomas is running across from the right side to the left, and Bridgewater pulls up, throws it probably about 25, 30 yards, beautifully, you know, arced just over two defenders in front of Thomas, for the catch, Jimmy, as a quarterback, you know that's, that's the most difficult throw to make on a field as a right-handed passer coming across, running to the left, having a receiver run to your left as well, um, and, and having it just cross your body a little bit uh, and make sure that you're as accurate as you can be. I just thought that was a phenomenal play on Bridgewater's part. No, it was, and, it, and I think all five of us at that time, because I think the other two guys came over to sit with us, um, I think we all kind of looked at each other after that play and said that was the best throw he's made yet this season by far because it took such a skill set um, to, to get your shoulders turned, move into the left, throw it, make sure you get it just high enough to get over the first defender's hands, but have it fall in before the, the guy that was behind Thomas. I mean, it was it was you, you couldn't have placed it any better. You really couldn't have. And I know we've given him a hard time from time to time, but. You know, to, to hold the four down for us during Breeze's injury, 
uh, to, to keep the ship going and not only in some cases manage the game, but in others, he, uh, he, he did make some really good throws, uh, had some command. I mean, I think we noticed today that Breeze's mastery of the offense is, is at another level. A lot of checks, a lot of, you know, kill kills, opposites, and all that stuff. Whereas I think Teddy pretty much, maybe not just called everything that Sean sent in, but for the most part was just going to go with what coach called. And, um, hey, what else can you ask for from a, your backup quarterback? Well, that's, yeah. And look, uh, I would be remiss if I don't mention this. I have been getting just dogged for weeks now. I uh, got a close group of friends that we we text. We're all big hoodats. Um, and when Breeze went down against the Rams at the end of that game, everybody's a little dejected anyway. Uh, and then Bridgewater's play in that game, not fair to even really, uh, you know, critique at that point. But uh, I said in that text, I said, look, if you know, if we can be 500, as many Saints fans said, if we can be 500 at the end of this, that'd be fine. Uh, one of the other guys, uh, Dwayne, said uh, we're going to go five and one. And I said, there's no way. There's just there's no way. And I told him in that text I would uh, gladly be excommunicated from the Houdat Nation if that happened because I just didn't see it. Now, uh -oh. on the flip side of that, on the flip side of that, I do challenge – Anybody to tell me at that point in time after the Rams game that you thought Bridgewater would go five and one. And I would bet that that's going to be a minority there. Um, that's not taking anything away from him. But in that moment, uh, I, I believed what I mentioned here on the podcast quite a few times that I don't believe he'll lose us any games. But I don't know if we have to put the game on his shoulders if he's going to win us too many at the same time. Um, like I said, they, they've kind of forced me to eat a little crow here. Obviously, he, he won every game that he started. And. The win that is as ugly as can be is the same W that shows up on the stat line if you throw for 500 and, you know, six touchdowns. So uh, uh, I, I think what happened, I compared Bridgewater to Breeze right away and, and the excellence we've seen from him sustained throughout the 13 seasons he's been with us. And that that's an unfair comparison for anybody to make, uh, much less Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, as a backup coming in, proving himself, going 5-0, and making some of those great throws. Uh, you know, he has certainly set himself up very well for a future payday, which uh, I'd like to hit that a little bit later on in the, in the podcast. But, uh, you know, just wanted to mention there, look, I, I didn't see it coming, but I am so glad it did uh, because I think it, it renewed that, that faith in Peyton and everybody else kind of keep this ship going when we thought that it was possibly going to sink uh, until Breeze came back and returned. Yeah, no, th those are all good points. I think we, Want to go ahead and shift now to today's matchup. Uh, what a game. Um, I'll be the first to admit I thought Breeze would be a little rusty. I was a little nervous about the extra brace on his thumb. How would he look? Uh, so much so that I didn't uh, pick him in a, a DraftKings lineup because I just didn't quite feel it. But I think Treachery! Beginning, uh, Treachery! Yeah, I think from the very beginning he was surgical. No pun intended there. Uh, but pinpointing things accurate the only ball that seems to be not very accurate or, or maybe just a poor decision was the pick where he threw the the fade route to zach line i unfortunately didn't see that play because the internet got spotty right at that moment but other than that every pass i saw him throw i thought was pretty much on the money there was one play where uh murray i think he wanted murray to keep coming across the field and he went vertical and he didn't give him much of a window to get the ball in he was a little upset after that but Overall, I thought he did an excellent job, and to hold that crew without any sacks, the O-line has to get a ton of praise. 
Uh, I'm starting to think Ramchek might be the best tackle in the game, hands down. Um, I'm not sure there are many others that, that can do what he does. Um, and when there was a little pressure, Breeze stepped up, stepped around, got rid of the ball, almost had a fumble, but they called it incomplete like they should have. Um, defensive line was, was wrecking folks. The, the, um, I think the miracle, really the miracle we need to talk about is Eli Apple going down at the end of the Bears game and us thinking torn ACL out for the year. Then, you know, best case, hyperextended knee out three to five, maybe four to six weeks, and he starts the next week. And, and it made some great plays. I mean, I just was amazed to see him out there. Um, I don't know what kind of medical, you know, uh, miracles are happening on airline drive, but that was pretty amazing. Yeah, it definitely was. And we also got Trey Hendrickson back today. Kind of came back healthy a little bit, got in that rotation, kept us fresh on that D-line, that D-end uh, position to get some of that pressure up front. So I was really glad to see him. Uh, step back into that role and give us a little bit more versatility at that position. You talk about Breeze coming back and having a little nervousness about his rust. Uh, so what you know? What does Breeze do? What does the future first ballot Hall of Famer, Super Bowl winner do? His first game back after five weeks out, he throws for the most completions since September of last year. That's what Breeze does. Um, you know, just uh, just incredible for him to come back and to come back with the way that Bridgewater left it and the way that Bridgewater kind of presented it to him uh, with superb play from the defense and special teams as well, uh, in addition to the other offensive playmakers around Bridgewater. But yeah, Breeze comes in, you know, throws for 370, three touchdowns. A lot of those came in that second half. Taysom caught two. Um, that was probably one of the one of the pieces that I was most excited about is now that we have two healthy quarterbacks, I was hoping to start seeing Taysom more heavily involved in our offensive packages, whether that's personnel grouping as a receiver, as a tight end, as a little H-back. And, you know, he got a lot of playing time today, even went in as quarterback one time, I believe. Um, but, uh, you know, I was excited to see that. And obviously it led to points on the board. Yeah, and I think Sean got a little too cute on that one play. Uh, I thought it was a, a good thought on the uh, Taysom double end around. Um the Cardinals kind of snuffed it out, blew it up. But as I looked further to the left of the screen, I think he did have it set up pretty nicely if, he, if Thomas could have gotten around that guy. Um, but you know what? Again, I mean, 510 yards of total offense. Um, granted, on the scoreboard, at least early in the game, I thought we kept it a little too close. We didn't punch it in. I think the Lutz alerts um, are, are going off now. You missed two last week. You missed another one this week. Um, he, he's going to have to – to get his game back, uh, we'll have games that will come down to a point or two. And he's usually Mr. Reliable, but I think things are a little wobbly right now. Um, but other than that, I think the game was really pretty flawless. I mean, the, the, the Cardinals came out, give him credit. They did a little razzle-dazzle uh, throwback, um, you know, double pass type thing and caught us off guard. But the defense stiffened up, gave up three, and the rest of the game gave up two more field goals, and that was it. I mean – Phenomenal. This might have been, the, and it seems like we say this almost every week, the, the best all-around performance by the team. Yeah. Well, and, and what told me early on that Arizona was willing to kind of do just about anything, not only was it that uh, throw back to Murray, then, you know, throw back deep, uh, but it was also first quarter, fourth and 13, and Arizona lined up to go for it. And, uh, you know, Sean called the timeout, and, and whether that was the design or if we don't call timeout, just take the delay of game, back it up a little bit, 
and then, uh, you know, send the kicker in, kick the field goal. But, you know, that, that told me right away that, that Kingsbury was willing to take some chances and that they knew that they needed to do some extra things to win today. Yeah, I think the other the other interesting uh, part of today's game, and there was a lot of interesting parts, but one where we, we got away with it, but that sequence at the end of the first half, we're driving, we're going down the field, and Breeze makes a great escape, throws a touchdown pass to Dan Arnold, and not only is it called back, but it's called back with the clock showing double zero, and we don't even get to kick the field goal. Um, I'm sure that's something they'll point out in the film room and hopefully try to figure out what, what happened there. I thought the hold was fairly questionable, um, but either you got to try to save a little time on the clock, or I'm not sure how you would coach it that any differently, but it, it was just bad that, that we got zero to show for it. Well, and taking a look at that, as I just mentioned, you lose your first timeout early with that fourth and 13 play by Arizona. Then you have to take another timeout early in the second when it appeared that Will Clapp was confused if he was going to be eligible or not on this particular play. I don't know if they showed that on the broadcast, but we could see it in the Dome. You know, he kept kind of shouting at the sideline, am I eligible, am I not, am I even in this particular package? And then we had to take our third timeout when McCoy went down with the injury. And so I think you lose those three timeouts. Now you're on that last series. You've got zero timeouts, and it's almost make or break. You know, you try and go for that big play or you go for nothing. So as you mentioned, I mean, I think you probably could do things a little bit differently coaching-wise, but without that timeout in your back pocket, you're more limited than you're not. Yeah. And, um, you know, just thinking through the rest of that game, uh, the offensive line, I would say, you know, had a little bit of a, an oh crap moment when McCoy went down. Um, we've been fairly fortunate recently. Obviously, we had Kamar Grau Breeze's injury, but the O line um, and with McCoy when he went out, I was really hoping it would be something uh, not too serious. Clap came in, wanted to make sure we didn't have any bad snaps right out the shoot. But to see McCoy come right back out in the second half, I thought was huge. Uh, the only other injury that that I recall or potential injury was on Thomas's touchdown late in the game. He limped a little bit and then got on a bench, grabbed his knee. Uh, obviously, hope there's nothing serious there. But again, I think he's just so automatic, and we just get so used to 10 or 11 catches, 110 to 130 yards, and a touch almost every single game. It, you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, he's really the only threat we have, you know, at, at the wide receiver position, and yet he still just gets his done every single week. Yeah, and you know, if we know that, defenses know that as well. And there was a lot of soft coverage on Thomas today. I don't know if that's because they're a little, you know, they're 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 willing to give up the five and six so they don't give up the 12 to 15. But um, there were quite a few times Breeze just looks his way and almost, you know, makes a little audible for a little quick and a little four or five turnaround, same as a good run. Uh, so yeah. he definitely got his. Now, I will say I was, I was very uh, curious to see, and I, I put this down in my notes while I was at the game, the first play we had with Will Clapp under center after McCoy went down and Peyton goes empty back. That is a lot of trust, not only in your play call, but in your players as well to, uh, to go shotgun right off the bat uh, and then also go empty so that there was going to be no, uh, no lag in the protections and the schemes and the assignments. Uh, I just thought that was, you know, pretty interesting. And, and maybe if that's something the casual fan, you know, maybe didn't see, then, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing it. But uh, a lot of trust in, in the call and in the players. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot. There's something special brewing here. I mean, I think a lot of teams, when they're successful, can say that. But I think the, the camaraderie, the chemistry, 
Uh, there was that clip a couple of weeks ago where Peyton's like, limits. Do we have any limits? Why limit anything we're going to do? What are we going to take care of this week or, or this year? Um, I really like what I see coming together. And, Troy, I thought you made a great point earlier. Getting Breeze back probably gives us, when Kamara's on the field, our third best offensive weapon, more time to shine. And, yes, we are on the Taysom Hill fan club. Uh, but, I mean, even that little play, that little wheel route, floating the ball up to him. I mean, pretty much every time he touches the ball, um, you have a shot to pop something big. And either he delivers or he gets some tough three, four, five yards. I mean, even in that, that throw today where uh, – or the reception, rather, where he had 25, 28 yards, whatever it was, he still lowered the shoulder at the end, was going to tell somebody what's up, and uh, he just gets everybody excited. He smiles from ear to ear because he's having fun. He's enjoying the game. And uh, what, a, what a steal to just pluck him off of the Packers – uh, practice squad at the end of that preseason a few years back because he's he's special he is he is and it, it reminds you a little bit uh reggie bush in terms of just when the ball's in his hands you never know what could happen uh, and ironically today was the game that both marcus colston and reggie bush uh, were inducted into the saints hall of fame as part of that just fabled 2006 draft class which arguably one of the best classes in the history of football uh, in my opinion, I know we're slightly biased here, but you just look at it. Just look at who we got. Look at the depth. Look at the the quality of each pick at the point in which we made the pick. Uh, just thought it was an, an incredible class. And so just kind of transitioning from Taysom to Reggie and just that excitement that when seven's on the field, everybody kind of inches a little bit closer to the edge of their seat. Uh, and you can feel it in the dome. So I hope you can kind of see that as well on the broadcast at home. Yeah. And then flipping to the other side of the ball, uh, I think the defense got four sacks today, but if you didn't have Kyler Murray at quarterback, we probably would have had eight or, or, you know, we were in the backfield all the time. I know Cam was grasping a few times. Hendrickson almost got him a couple of times. Uh, but, you know, that's a, that's a squad. I mean, I know we didn't think they were that great to begin with, but they're coming in on a three game win streak. Uh, they're feeling pretty good about themselves and they got Christian Kirk back. Uh, he had a decent game uh, today and, you know, that's not a horrible team that, that we beat. Uh, granted, they beat Atlanta, although everybody's beating them these days. Um, but it's a pretty, pretty solid club, young, and, and Kingsbury knows the Saints system a little bit. He was he was with us for a while as a player, um, and they just delivered. I mean, we even gave him Zach Zinner, who played a whole one week for us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just all You're around. Welcome. Yeah, incredible game. Um, I do love the fact that the bye week is coming now. Um, let's try to get everybody healthy. Hopefully, Kamar is 100% when he comes back, uh, when we come back off the bye week. Breeze feeling good about his thumb. Hopefully, Thomas is all right. Apple's okay. McCoy. Um, and let's hit this second half and, and, and kind of not, you know, keep the momentum going and pick up where we left off. Although I agree with all those points, James, don't don't give away the gold just yet. we got to hold on to that uh... – that bye week uh, intro and review a little bit later in the in the podcast, but a couple of things I just wanted to mention very quickly. Looking at some of the notes I took at the at the field, or excuse me, at the game uh, in the second quarter, beginning of the second quarter, pretty much your standard play again, a crossing route by Thomas coming from the left side of the field over to the right. Uh, great throw by Drew it was on time. Thomas cuts it up, and I told uh, my my other brother uh, was at the game with me today, and I told him as soon as it happened, Zach line. Our fullback 
was the lead blocker 15, 20 yards downfield, which was just incredible to see. I think that goes into what you were saying, Jimmy, a little while ago about just these guys are having fun. And, yes, you know, obviously when you're winning, you get to have more fun. But there's something else to it. There, There is that camaraderie. There is that trust. There is that, you know, brotherhood where these guys are just balling out. And, and it, it doesn't matter who gets the credit because the, the team is going to get the credit with the W at the end. And then right behind Zach Vine was Josh Hill, who had an incredible block pancaking one of the defenders as they were trying to cross to get closer to Thomas. So, you know, you got your tight end out there. You have your fullback out there leading the way on a downfield block for a receiver on a crossing route. Uh, just fun to watch, fun to see. And, you know, from the fan perspective and the coaching perspective, that's what you want to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And same with the defensive side of the ball. I read a couple of articles the last few days and talking about what Dennis Allen um, expects from these guys and perfection and almost – to the point that they have a chip on their shoulder now because for year after year after year, it was don't lose the game for us. You know, the offense carries us and defense just make sure they score one less point and we'll be okay. And they've, they're kind of taking that to heart and uh, having fun. They're, they're, they're playing aggressive. I think attack was the word I saw in that article over and over again, you know, constantly being on the attack, get off the field and third down. I think they were the, uh, they held the Cardinals two of 10, um, and, and, and just having fun again, having fun, delivering, having each other's back, playing, and uh, I think they they see some good things to come, and they're excited, and they know, you know, I think we do have a nice youth core on the team, but they know Breeze is, you know, pretty close to the end of his career, and I think everybody is seeing that this team could be special, but we're only halfway there. Correct. As great of a first half we've had. There is no room for complacency. There is no room for stagnation, nothing. And, and I think, as you mentioned, although we have a good core of young players, we also have just as impactful of a core of, of seasoned veterans, the Breeze, the Ginn, the Jordan. Uh, you know, th- these guys aren't going to let the youngins kind of rest on their laurels and rest on their accomplishments because you, you haven't accomplished anything. You accomplished week eight. Week nine, you haven't done anything. Week 10, you haven't done anything. And, you know, I don't think that that mindset is going to shift. Uh, I think we have the perfect balance of youth and vigor uh, versus kind of that, uh, that that seasoned mental preparation, uh, mental experience that, that a full team needs, a makeup of a team. And, look, I don't know that there's another team in recent memory that has gone through the ups and downs quite as drastically as we have. Uh, both our peaks and our valleys. Last two years, you make it all the way to the NFC Championship game and you lose in heartbreaking fashion both ways. And it's it's fight or flight. You know, if it's important enough to you, you brush it off, you get up and you move on. And if not, you just wallow in, in self-pity. And uh, our coaching staff won't let that happen, but also our, our leaders on our team aren't either. And and what I love about that, all the a lot of the attention goes to Drew, obviously, and deservedly so, but Thomas Morstead's a huge leader on this team. People listen. Uh, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Lattimore, uh, to an extent, Thomas. I mean, there is no one guy, and I think that's very important. I think that's what you saw in these last five weeks. Uh, Breeze goes out, and, I mean, it's not necessarily next man up because nobody's going to be able to fill those shoes quite the same way. But uh, the fear that I had was, are we in that spot where we lose him and, and that's it? We lose our, our identity. We lose our, you know, our mojo, so to speak, and uh, team came through. The team came through. So that resiliency is what is going to keep us afloat at the end of this season. Whatever happens from here on out, uh, we, we know how low things can get 
and we also know how high we can get as we did in 09, and that pursuit is going to carry us through these next few weeks. Yeah, no, those, those are all good points, and I think, uh, you know, we'd be remiss. We, we gave him a little credit, but I think overall, I think, I think Peyton has seen this whole year as a challenge. Uh, we've seen a little bit of a, an invigorated Sean Peyton. He, 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 you know, there were, were times over the last couple of years where he looked a little complacent or maybe, you know, kind of a little bit going through the motions, but he's dialed in. And I think he said, okay, you want to take away our Hall of Fame quarterback? Let me show you that, you know, we're still a good football team. And, um, you know, he's, he's digging deep and drawing up plays. And I think he is having just as much fun as the guys are on the field. And, um, you know, he's really trying to perfect his craft right now. And um, it shows. I mean, he, that the preparation uh, seems like the guys are, are in position uh, more often than they have in the past. It seems like we know what play's coming, just like holding them on that fourth down today. Um, you know, there's a little confusion from time to time, but not nearly as much as we have seen in, in previous years on the defense when the offense is changing or subbing different packages. Uh, they're ready to go. I mean, they're like, bring it. Let's go. Um, and it's exciting to watch for the fans and um, for the folks on the bench who, who are watching their 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 teammates out on the field give it everything they got. Absolutely. And before we hit just a few uh, a few stats from today's game, uh, if this were a Cardinals podcast, this would probably take up the entire 45 minutes. But just you know, looking looking at the fourth and one on your own 30 when you're down 10 to six and going for it. Uh, what was your thought when they lined up and were appearing to, to try and make that conversion, Jim? Well, the honest truth is that was another time in my drive back from Austin where the internet froze up and I wasn't really sure what happened, but uh, very frustrating for that. But when I, I saw the text from our buddy, Dave, uh, our Troy's buddy, Dave, who has recently become my good buddy, um, he said, basically, what the bleep is he doing? Is Cliff doing? Is he out of his mind? Or something to that effect. And I'm like, what just happened? And, uh, you know, maybe maybe Kingsbury's been watching that high school. I forget where they're located, but there's a high school out there who never punts. And they've done the, 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 the work on the statistics. And they go for it just about every single time and do an onside kick every time. And maybe he got cute. Maybe he got too cute. Or maybe that's what he thought. But Or... Quite honestly, what I think it was is he realized this game, even though it appeared close on the scoreboard, they weren't moving the ball on us. And he probably felt like, you know what, I'm going to take a shot right here. We probably won't win anyway. And if we get the first down, then we can continue to drive and maybe put some points on the board. But to your point, Troy, I'm sure the folks in Phoenix are ready to strangle him because he did not coach a, a very good game. No, and it's all about putting your team in positions to win. Uh, and again, you know, I, being the being on the Saints side of it, I was glad to see it. Uh, you turn that right around, and from the very first down, it's a 47-yard field goal. You know, very manageable. But uh, you know, look, young coach, young team, rookie quarterback, possibly just looking for a pulse. You know, looking to come out, you convert that. Now you got a, a renewed sense of purpose, sense of energy, uh, and it just didn't work out for him. You know, um, I'm sure many people. When we uh, when we did ambush Super Bowl 44, probably saying the same thing. You're down. Why would you come out and onside kick right away? Uh, you know, I'm not saying those two calls are the same, but I guess I'm saying that the mindset of we need to make something happen and we need to make it happen soon uh, is similar. And you know, uh, I'm sure 
Cardinals fans are going to fault him for that. But uh, I think I think the biggest thing here is just the placement. If you're on the 50, I don't think it's nearly the, the conversation it is now. On the 30, you're, you're giving three away for the most part. But, uh, hey, we're on the other side of it, so I'm glad he did it. Uh, yeah. All right, let's let's hit a few uh, a few little kind of quick facts here before we move on. Uh, with the win today and points on the board, uh, it is 279 straight regular season games without getting shut out, and the last time that happened was 2002. The Saints are now 9-4 and four when hosting the Cardinals at the Dome. Cam Jordan played in his 136th consecutive game today. And it was also the first season in the Sean Payton era where we have shut two teams out of the end zone in the same year without allowing a touchdown. And offensively, Jimmy, you mentioned about what a great game uh, our front five played or our front six. Looking at you, Will Clapp, uh, no sacks, no offensive sacks today. Uh, all right, Jimmy, now it is Troy's trivia time. All right, here you go. I'm going to name three separate uh, people, places, or things, and you tell me what is the common unifier between them. Are you ready? I was born ready, son. Good answer. Good answer. I've got my eyes on you. All right, that was another subtle clue to one of our favorite movies. Anyway, here it is. Dwight D. Eisenhower, the state of Kansas, and... The gem, Opal. Jimmy Glorioso, what do these three have in common? And go. That's a crazy question. Uh, <laughs> no clue. <laughs> well, Dwight D. Eisenhower is the 34th president of these United States. State of Kansas is the 34th state admitted to this union. And Opal is the modern anniversary gift for the 34th wedding anniversary. If you don't understand what all this means, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go streaking 34th consecutive game, holding the opponent's rusher under 100 yards. Thank you. I'll be here all week, and I'll see you next week. Nice. I thought that deserved a little bit better than just nice, but thanks anyway. I'll take it. All right, moving right along. Thanks, Jim. Really appreciate the support on that. Uh, let's, <laughs> I thought you went reaching way too deep into just, the vault on that hey, one. But, hey, if that's what floats your boat, go for it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate the brotherhood there. Thank you so much. Okay, moving on. Looking at Latavius Murray and his involvement, I can't believe we've gone, uh, what is it, 35, 36 minutes in and really haven't talked about his involvement today. Uh, but his scrimmage yardage has gone up in each of the last five games from 23 to 34 to 47 to 79 to 150 and to 157. I'm going to come right back to Latavius Murray. So I'm going to put a little circle on that. We'll come right back to that. Michael Thomas had 16. This is for all you fantasy people out there. I've got four different leagues that I'm in myself. Jimmy, I know you're in a couple. Michael Thomas has 16-plus fantasy points in each of the eight games this season. He is the only wide receiver in the NFL to do that. Uh, I am getting breaking news from Adam Schefter that he is changing his Twitter hashtag to can't bench Mike and can't trade Mike either. Uh, Michael Thomas also has five or more receptions in 13 consecutive games, which is the longest active streak in the NFL. 
Jimmy, you mentioned earlier, uh, it's just automatic. You know, we, we assume it to be automatic, and hopefully that uh, leg injury that you mentioned earlier uh, isn't something that's going to hamper him for too long. He is too vital a, a, a cog in our offensive machine to be down for any kind of time. But uh, just looking at those stats, I mean, that just tells you what kind of player he is. And uh, what I thought was really interesting, when they interviewed Reggie Bush and Marcus Colston at halftime, I'm sure this was not on the broadcast, but – interviewed them after inducting them into the Saints Hall of Fame, and they introduced uh, Marcus Colston as the all-time leader, you know, in pretty much every statistical category for the Saints. Uh, and the local interviewer said, but Marcus, whenever we say that, you always reply with what? And he says, for now. And then he went on to say, look, we got a guy on our team right now that is just balling out. And if he stays healthy, if he stays with the Saints, uh, Marcus basically says, look, I know my, my time is, is uh, limited as leader. And so, uh, you know, just a testament to Michael Thomas's game, his commitment to, to evolving and, and becoming the best wide receiver he can be. Yeah, no, he's he's phenomenal. And I would have killed to have a receiver that, that's that strong, has that kind of catch radius, who catches pretty much anything that touches his hands, uh, runs, you know, very crisp routes, uh, gets some separation or enough needed to get the ball to him. Um, phenomenal player. Um, an another guy. Similar to him, but was on the other side today, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I just wanted to mention they, they showed a little bit on the TV today on the broadcast pregame of he and, and, and Drew Brees kind of coming together, giving a big hug, talking through it. You can tell those two guys are just warriors of the game, play the game right, have tons of respect for each other. And sure enough, after the game, they sought each other out, and they sat there and, and talked for quite a bit. And then I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, usually the two quarterbacks will shake hands, you know, whisper a word or two, whatever. Uh, but, but Breeze and Kyler Murray had a, a really good uh, conversation, and you could tell that, that Breeze was really, uh, you know, connecting with, with the young man, and uh, he was very interested in, in talking to him. And so, uh, you know, when, when you see good people, um, guys that play it right, that aren't the showboaters, um, I, I don't know if there's another like Larry Fitzgerald out there. But I'm glad you mentioned that because he's somebody, look, any any opposing team that comes into the Dome, I just want him to be completely defeated, embarrassed, everything. But it is it is damn near impossible to not appreciate what Larry Fitzgerald has done for the Arizona Cardinals, for the NFL. As you said, just doing it the right way, representing himself, representing his team, representing his community. Uh, just a, a role model for any young player looking to see how to carry themselves in a game personally, professionally. He's done it, and he's done it for so long, and that, that should be rewarded and is rewarded. Uh, so, you know, definitely glad to see him. As one of our favorite uh, movie characters would say, he was one hell of a modern American. Nice. Very subtle. Very subtle. Yes. Kind of like your support to your brother earlier. Appreciate it. Uh, anyway, look, let's. Uh, we got a couple minutes here. I do want to hit our beignets very quickly and also our Houdat and Datsu player of the game, and then we'll get into the bye week moving forward. Um, Jimmy, what you got for special teams? For beignets, special beignets. teams, it was a very kind of bland day. You know, probably didn't have enough crisp on, on the beignet. The powdered sugar was a little too light. I'm probably going to go with uh, two. Um, nothing spectacular. Lutz missed the field goal, which did not sit very well with me. Um, Morstead, you know, did okay, but, you know, he put him, put a few punts down at the 21 and at the, like, the 19. That's not very Morstead-like. Um, probably could have even gone to a one, but I'm going to go with the two. 
Gotcha, I gotcha. Look, I'm, I'm going to go three. Uh, I do think it was not what we expect. Lutz missing the field goal. Also barely made one of the extra points. Uh, got pretty pretty close to the upright there. And then, of course, like you said, Morstead didn't hit quite the, the great punts that he normally does. But I think that's more a reflection of what we expect as it is a, a diminished, you know, uh, performance today. Just necessarily wasn't up to par. But I'm going to go three out of five on that. Defense, James, you know, I don't think you really have to explain it. I'm going five out of five. You hold him out of the end zone. You get a ton of pressure on Murray. His evasiveness and his ability to escape the pocket prevented additional sacks. I thought our back four played really well. Linebackers went side to side up front. We, I mean, it, it was it was a standout performance. Uh, I go five beignets on that. Yep, automatic. And uh, look, I'm, I'm offense as well. You know, you you think I, I went five out of five. You think uh, with injuries to McCoy in the middle of the game, to Clap, Breeze first game back, seeing if there's any kind of not jitters because he's been on this stage before, but any rust. I mean, he picked up essentially where he left off. First half was a little bit slower than he probably wanted, but we hit. Uh, we 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 were able to do whatever we wanted. Hundred yard rusher, hundred yard receiver, multiple personnel groupings on the field, all pretty much with uh, you know signs of success. So I'm going five out of five for that. Yeah, and I know you don't like doing this, but I got to go with a half. I got to go four and a half beignets. Um, that, that sequence at the end of the first half left, left a bad taste in my mouth. And in the first half, there were a few missed opportunities. We didn't punch the ball in. We missed the field goal, uh, even though that is our special team's beignet there. But um, I just felt like we, we, we let them hang in the game a little too much in the first half. Uh, if I had to divide it in halves, they would definitely get five in the second half. But because of that first half, I'm going four and a half. I'm just too full. I couldn't finish that last half of beignet. Leave it on the table. You ain't fooling nobody. You ain't leaving nothing on that table, son. That's all right, though. I'll keep the secret between me, you, and uh, about 23 listeners. So don't worry about that. <laughs> all right. My who that player of the game goes to none other. And remember, folks, this is not a good thing. This is a literal who is that. My who that player of the game goes to our newly acquired Wide receiver, Zach Line. Who is that? Uh, that's an interesting choice, considering he's not a receiver. But yeah, Well, we if you about... watch today's game, you might have thought he was receiver. But Lined you... up multiple times out wide. Yeah, I don't know why they do that. Throwing a fullback out there is not going to scare anybody. But, uh, yeah, I would say with my who dat, these Lutz. Dude, what are you doing? Get your head out of your arse. <laughs> And let's start making some field goals again like you did back in the day. Is that a pirate? Step it up. Step it up, son. <laughs> All right. My dad's who player. The obvious choice here is Breeze. I could even go Taysom with his adaptability. But I'm going to go Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Love that rookie, guy. Look, rookie coming in. He played up at the line of scrimmage. He played in the defensive backfield, side to side, made plays all over the field. I think he's growing in his role. He's getting more comfortable and more confident, and I think you saw that in his performance today. Yeah, he's, he's got some attitude, and I love it. Uh, I think the, the rest of the D feeds off of him. Uh, for mine, I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with Taysom Hill only because, you know, we talk smack for him and on his behalf almost every week. And he's seeing a little more action, getting playing some more tight end, a few more uh, routes. He had another first down coming across the middle. Um, Taysom Hill. 
Very nice, James. All right, look. Hey, we only got 45 seconds left. I'm going to try and do the best Tom Ace wrap-up for this podcast. Post-game interview with Breeze. Breeze says it was the love of the game and the love of his teammates as motivation for coming back, and he said he cannot say enough for what Teddy Bridgewater and his leadership did the past five weeks. He did not just bring into the role a quarterback, but he became the leader of that offense. Looking ahead in the bye week, not only do we need to get guys rested up, also trade deadline coming in two days on Tuesday. Is Bridgewater going to be a part of a bigger deal with teams like Chicago, Miami, and Tennessee needing a quarterback? Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Look at the Globe Bros Facebook page for additional information. And as always, please contact us with any inquiries, comments, questions, or concerns. Until next time, Globe Bros out. Who that?